Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force. The Cues stands for question, the Force stands for force, and when we talk about our A's, we are talking about answers and nothing else. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsack, and I'm enjoying your breakdown of every letter that we <laughs> use here at Force Center. I think uh, it's important. We always talk about the whys. This is the why. <laughs> Um, bordering on doing a Sesame Street episode, uh, this podcast hey. is sponsored by Q's. <laughs> Sesame Street and Muppet Show, highly influential in my life. So yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this episode is actually brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, this week, we're continuing to recommend Padawan by Kirsten White. Big news on this book is that Ken has physically moved it into his bedroom so uh, we i was gonna say we both might be reading it soon uh the physical book being in your bedroom isn't gonna make a difference for me but you're escalating the situation so i might i might read soon uh if you want to listen instead in whatever room you want to be in you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash four center again that's audibletrial.com slash four center for your free audiobook any other book details we should know ken um other than books are good you should read them more kids (laughs) I heartily agree with that. Heartily agree. (laughs) And with that, we're going to get to our cues. We have, as always, two from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. We are going first to Twitter and Brandon Smith. Brandon says, hey, friends, why do you think some people struggled with seeing Luke defeated and hopeless in The Last Jedi, but celebrated and adored seeing Obi-Wan with that mindset during his television series? Uh, This is a really fun question. Um, I'm going to start with a sub question from from Brandon's can mm-hmm. is uh, I, I kind of felt like when the Kenobi show was rolling out, there were definitely some people who were maybe not on board with it. But there was a lot of I felt uh, excitement and a lot of people enjoying it. And now since Andor had come out, I feel like uh, there's a little bit more negativity about Obi-Wan. What is your temperature on people's general opinion of the Obi-Wan series? I think there's a lot of hypocrites in the world brandon is that what you want to hear because that's what I, no. um, next question next question uh it is the nature of things it's unfortunate that it's the nature of things some people um kenobi god i love kenobi warts and all and it's, it's got some warts mm-hmm. it really does but um what's at the core is this story it kind of to brandon's question right it is it is a, a jedi who's lost his way and I think generally it was well received, but I, but you, you get some bad, bad faith memes going around kind of, uh, and Obi-Wan wasn't even a Jedi. Uh, he, I, but I, I get it. I, I, I at least try to get to the core of where that's coming from of, uh, it's kind of fun to watch, uh, heroes at the top of their game. I get that. I, I personally though, enjoy diving a little deeper there, but, um, and it's hard in terms of, I mean, you and I could be here for hours trying to figure out why people, can't just say that is for me this is not um 
a, a society that everything must be debated, uh, uh, ranked, even though we have fun doing some rankings here. It's a different vibe. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's at work and then that factors into last Jedi too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I, I know some of the, um, uh, reasons for people having a challenge or a dislike with Kenobi. I think it was made pretty clear from the get go that the story would be what Brandon is, uh, is this is discussing uh mm-hmm. that uh this is somebody who doesn't consider themselves uh, a jedi at the beginning and i really feel like the show is structured around his journey back mm-hmm. to becoming a jedi again what is what does being a jedi mean to him uh and how mm-hmm. is he going to act that out and how is he going to make up for the times that he felt he lost his way uh so that's the warts and all as you said that's what i really loved about the kenobi show as well as a uh, little land all sorts mm-hmm. of other things uh great yeah. insight into vader but to brandon's question um i really think that even though they are similar stories and some great star wars poetry of mm-hmm. both obi-wan and luke uh leaving their way uh, losing their way uh, being literally kind of separated from their galaxy i think it tells us just so much about the way we as people we as a culture process story right and mm-hmm. uh one of the the big things to me is just narrative order um if you start with the first star wars film a New Hope, we were introduced to Obi-Wan as someone who had probably had a hard time on Tatooine, <laughs> yes. right? He yes. didn't look like he was living the high life, right? He was somebody yeah. who was just waiting and watching. And when the call for help finally came, he said, sure, uh, I'll go, but I'm too old for this. And, <laughs> and I need the young one to come with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way we were introduced to him. Uh his story in the prequels probably only reinforced that, right? That's what, that's the journey we went on with Obi-Wan. He ended uh, in, in emotional defeat heading to Tatooine. Whereas in contrast, you know, so many people, regardless of age, grow up with Luke Skywalker, maybe project themselves uh, onto uh, Luke Skywalker. Uh, So many fans have years of passionate connection to his stories and books and comics from, you know, uh, legends expanded universe. And I have not read all those stories at all, but you know, obviously Luke had some challenges, some ups and downs. He lost a, a Skywalker to the dark side in, in those stories too, but generally persevered. Right. Yeah. So I think it is, you know, just totally about narrative order. Obi-Wan, the possibility that Obi-Wan was broken and hopeless on Tatooine for a while was always a possibility in people's minds where it was, I think, a shock to some people's system that he was in The Last Jedi. Uh, it's very rare that I just want to say what he said and move on. Um, <laughs> but I'm looking at my notes. I do have notes, kids, here. Uh, you kind of took, um, you know, we're, we're in the, uh, the same mindset and, and explained it so well. Uh, I, I think it starts for me. The difference here is, uh, to your question, Brennan. Uh, yeah, Kenobi was adrift in the desert for 19 years, and that was just part of it. And we always try to make sure we leave our generational perspective and bias at the door when we're having these discussions. But we are of the generation that grew up with, hey, that old guy seems to have been through some stuff, as you said there. Look at his <laughs> robe. It's got like holes in it. Like, so the fact that we'd get a, a story in going into that period was always something I would have wanted. But I, I, I not the old, I didn't need the story, but just like, yeah, this is exactly kind of. The details change, but it's kind of what I would thought about Kenobi. Uh, and, and for many, Luke, I just, it's, he's higher on the depth chart of characters. Not that the Kenobi doesn't have his fans. Clearly, you, you're a Kenobi fan through and through. And the Clone Wars prequel era, so many people love Kenobi without a doubt. But Luke, I think, is just uh, ranked a little higher. And mm-hmm. the expectations are going to be really high, particularly in 2015. Mm-hmm. And 2017, let's not forget, 2015, Luke on a Hill was a big, I love that ending. I love that choice. Um, even if we did lose yay, the big three together, blah, 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 yeah, that's a conversation we can have. You and I have mm-hmm. brought that up before. But it was just like, whoa. And then, you know, ignite the green. Um, Steel Saunders, that that was his podcast hashtag for so long. <laughs> Theories in green. I was there too. I wanted it. And, and. It was, uh, you said, shock to the system. I think that's a nice way to describe some of the reactions to it, right? <laughs> um, and I think, by the way, that's okay. I don't think anyone listening, if you're like still kind of like, man, I wanted him to grab the saber, run down the hill, and I wanted my hero Luke to be there. I don't think that's a wrong desire. 
Mm-mm. Seeing Luke as as Brendan, uh, Brandon describes it, defeated and hopeless, was hard for folks, and that's okay. And it's okay that you have that opinion, and it's okay that it did that to you. I think both things uh, could be uh, be valuable. Um, and people just waited, and I think, yeah, I get it. It's on a bigger scale that they saw Luke in this way. Yeah, yeah, and even if you weren't in, at all in, invested or even knew the, of the existence of lots of Luke Skywalker stories in, in Legends and EU books, right? If you just mm-hmm. Um, saw Return of the Jedi at really any age and then you said okay and then he restarted the Jedi Order and he went on all these great adventures and he proved himself and that you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard it's hard to see him that way and for me even even I think early Force Center episodes I was like I, I hope he's on the island to kind of do something proactive like he's separated himself mm-hmm. but he's he's working on something you know yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I had to let go of that and I think um he ended up being the hero that I wanted him to be. He came back to hope and, you know, learn some new lessons and relearn some old lessons all within the last Jedi. So I ended up, you know, more satisfied mm-hmm. than, you know, some other viewers. So I understand that. I think the other thing for me is um, it's about expectation, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like we're talking about, but it's also about just like vicarious emotional journey. It's so important to remember that stories are not information, Mm-hmm. Uh, their emotions, right? Information is is how stories are are told, how plots are told. Um, but the stories are about emotion. And think about the difference between what broke Obi Wan and what broke Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you like the prequels and like the Clone Wars animated series, we went through the pain that broke Obi Wan with him. Mm-hmm. We were there with him on Mustafar. We were there with him when he kind of somehow deep in his soul knew what he was going to see on those hollow recordings. And Yoda certainly did in revenge of the Sith, like don't turn it on. Don't turn it on. Mm. We were there with him being heartbroken with devastated Anakin burning on the shore of Mustafar, having to turn away in pain and disgust. Right. Uh, in contrast, um, we were told we were given the information about Luke's pain. We see some literal flashes of it in The Last Jedi, in The Force Awakens, but it's mostly quick backstory. We didn't go through that. We didn't live vicariously through that. Uh, I think the response to Luke in Last Jedi might have been different if the sequel trilogy was structured differently. If The Force Awakens, uh, you know, begins and, and Ben is still on the light side and over the course of The Force Awakens, he 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 falls and he deserts Luke and burns and and that's we walk through that story with Luke, I think people would be much more open to receiving Luke's pain because we would have experienced it with him. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it should have been done that way necessarily because I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good reasons that they started the sequel era story when they did. Um, But I just think it's really, it's fascinating to think about the difference between being given information Mm. and emotionally experiencing it by walking through the story with the character. Uh, I, uh, you know, been working with you for eight years now, sir. I think that was one of my favorite little insightful moments that you put out there because it's just so simple, right? When you think about it, but that's sometimes the best stuff. Even what we always say, what we do here, we just often are pointing at the screen and going, Hey, that's what's going on. Uh, that's there. I think you're right. I think, uh, uh, the mystery of it, the wanting to know, and therefore maybe it makes it easier for you to not understand why Luke's in that way. I think that's, that, that is very much a lot of, uh, the conversation. So I remember back in 2017, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Kenobi just makes a little bit more sense of, uh, we experienced with him. We were there on those shores with at Mustafar. Uh, we got it. Uh, this one, I don't know. I think again, and again, I think it's fair to wonder, well, why is he this way? And I'd like yeah. to know, could you please tell me? That's totally fair. Totally. Yeah. Fair. And it isn't that last shot. I doesn't, show us but it does in this Rashomon way internally you know there's the flash in the force awakens where he's not looking happy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) you know uh we don't fully see his face but you know the metal hand on r2 is the stuff burns you know it it is there but it's not as deep yeah that's great uh all right any other thoughts uh on, on our favorite bummed out jedi uh no i i like bummed out jedi because i like i like them coming back Who like come back? sorry man come on uh, yeah please i i i'm easy to please give me a, a middle-aged person uh who has been broken and then returns to hope i love it every time yeah well and like, my final my true final thought on this too is uh, i get how it um works it works differently for our people like we're all different mm-hmm. i have different, we want different things other stories I, I am intrigued by it's more real to see this in, in in my unreal fantasies. And I, I always say this, like uh, 
and a lot of the things, the, the big Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, whatever, like I like learning from characters when they do bad things or make mistakes. And not everyone does and not everyone comes to the stuff for that. So I have to make sure I understand it's just my own desire to be like, oh yeah, they failed. What can I take from that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. What, what can I, you know, learn from that or yeah. just experience, hey, somebody else made some mistakes too. So yeah, that's yeah. the beginning of maybe uh, understanding or forgiving myself, you know? Uh, I have never lost a, a Jedi Padawan, but <laughs> uh, I'm sure I've done. I'm, I'm sure I've had similar failures. I've lost podcast Padawans, but <laughs> uh, all right, uh, we could discuss that. But instead, we're going to get back to Star Wars. We're going to move on to our uh, next question uh, from Luce Stoller. Uh That is my uh, attempt to pronounce. I apologize if it is incorrect. Uh, Luce says, uh, curious about how the Mortis God's stone tablets got to Luthen's artsy shop. At Mm. this time, they're on Lothal in the Jedi Temple. Uh, Ken, where do you go with this one? I don't, I want to make sure I'm I'm respectful of the question. I I had this kind of reaction of, because they put them there. Because it was a visual <laughs> dictionary thing. Um, but I, I love challenging myself to try to answer in story. This is why I love this question here. Uh, so and I'll say this. It's been a bit since I've watched that particular Rebels episode or that series of episodes. So I don't remember all the answers. Uh, I haven't gone through even the wikis in a while. So I apologize for that. So there's two thoughts to me uh, that, I, that came to me. Uh, that there's a, like another way to Mortis or in the temple. Um, those aren't the only stones. More stones than we know. Um, that uh, they could be from somewhere else. Now, I, I do believe, I trust uh, Alex Damon and his videos and everyone, anyone else who made the videos. I do believe there was a, the Mortis Godstone tablets. I've seen the videos, but Luthen didn't say that. There could have been something else. You know, mm-hmm. there could have been uh, Mortis 2 or, uh, you know, Jetta Prime. We don't know. We don't know. And then my other thought, uh, and I'll pitch it back to you here. Well, I don't know. Maybe Luthen put them back. <laughs> we don't know the end of that story yet because we still got a couple years to that particular time mm-hmm. frame in Rebels. And I do believe, uh, you know, the stones or the tablets, they might have, it all might have been there for a while. You get that sense. You know, maybe he snuck back in while uh, 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 the Empire was looking. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe Minister Hyden comes to the shop. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> He's charmed Hyden. Minister Hyden. Can we get Malcolm McDowell? And or season two. <laughs> I'm interested in those stones. And Luthen's like, oh, no, no, they're not for sale. And he's got to go turn, put them back. I want a whole sitcom uh, set in that <laughs> shop. And uh, the title of the sitcom can just be the name of his shop, Galactic Antiquities and Objects of Interest. Yes. And it has a laugh track. Uh, no, this is a really, really fun question. I think this is fascinating because, like, even in some of the great uh, videos, you know, use the comparisons to images from the World Between Worlds episode mm-hmm. to kind of verify, like, yep, that looks like those hands. Yep, let's compare and contrast. Yep, it is. So totally understand where this is, uh, question's coming from in that, yep, on the timeline in Andor, we're, we're before uh, the events uh, of World Between Worlds episodes uh, of Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we can use that comparison from rebels to identify the objects in Luthen's shop. But my first thought would just be the mortis gods are depicted many places. And these are very similar stones from a different source Um, from, you know, a a temple. Is this an artifact that the Jedi had? He's got some Jedi stuff in there. Um, Mm -hmm. Are they from an entirely different uh, temple? Are they some, some other, you know, explorer long ago found force sensitive explorer found their way to Mortis and brought them back from Mortis itself. Mm. You know, did they appear to uh, some someone in a village in a vision? <laughs> yeah, and they chiseled them out. Like in a way, it's kind of exciting to me that they aren't necessarily the exact same stones from from Lothal. Uh, they right. look very very similar, but the Mortis gods are you know a. Uh, uh, powerful enough and influential enough that they would be depicted multiple places throughout the galaxy. Yeah. Right. That makes, makes some sense. Maybe these are the Bendu stones. We don't know. Yeah. Or my other idea, Ken, that you kind of touched on, which is much more uh, wonky and confusing and just fodder for great debate. Maybe when the temple collapsed in the world between worlds episode and things shattered, uh, they didn't actually fully seal the portal and some things went back through time. So Ooh, these yeah. are the stones 
uh, from Lothal, but they somehow went back in time and just uh, ended up on uh, in Luthen's lap. <laughs> oh man, that's the world between world uh, uh, wizardry, and I love that idea. Yeah, I also just like the image that uh, valuable stone tablets would just suddenly uh, fall from the sky, and Luthen wouldn't know where, and they would actually hit him literally in the lap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're ever going to get these answers from Luthen, but I would love just uh, supplemental footage in character, in story of him going around explaining everything in that shop. Yeah. He's very aware of, w- w- with those antiquities, he is totally, totally aware of the deep history of the Jedi is what I think. I think he's not like, oh, what are these, right? Uh, yeah. Everything in there that we can identify has some tie to uh, a people that were most likely um, uh, treated poorly by the Empire. (laughs) Uh, So the fact that he has Jedi artifacts and Jedi lore just kind of right out there for sensitive lore. I'm so curious what Luthen's opinion of the Jedi and and their history is. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. All right. Great question. We are going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with our cues from our patrons on Patreon back in a moment. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we are back to take more cues of the force. We go to our patron on Patreon, Graham Gaskill. Uh, Graham says, hey, Force Center, I hope you are well and that you're living your best pulpy cereal adventure lives. For fun, <laughs> Graham has uh, spelled cereal like the breakfast food, uh, beloved by Cyril Karn in Andor. Uh, Graham continues. I was hoping to get your take on something I've been stewing on for a bit now with the debut of Andor in its distinct look and feel. It made me wonder about the other types of television presentation styles, both past and present, that Lucasfilm could adapt into telling different Star Wars stories. I know I've heard y'all mention how awesome a Ken Burns-style documentary on, say, the Battle of Chaku would be, and I couldn't agree more. Although there'd be better, uh, although there'd better be Hollow Letters Home to Ma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there any other kinds of presentation formats that you'd like to see done? For me, I'd love to see the return of the made-for-TV movie. Think the day after, but on Alderaan. Uh, uh, a 70s-style cop drama, Starsky and Hutch, uh, Kojak, Swat, and an hour-long family comedy drama on board the Halcyon that recreates shot-for-shot shot different Love Boat episodes. And yes, as you can tell by my ideas, I am that old. Uh, thank you for all that you do for us, and I still can't believe you all aren't working for the story group yet. May the Force be with you. Uh, that is a great question, Graham. Uh, we understand all your references. <laughs> and thank you for the kind words. Uh, Ken, where do you go with this? Uh, it's, it was, it would never be in my future to work for the story group. So I appreciate the sentiment, but I'm going to, I don't want to move to San Francisco. Thank you. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, though actually now a lot of them are down here in Burbank. Uh, no, uh, great idea. Great thought. I love this. Love this. Uh, yeah. And, and the doc thing, uh, the Ken Burns thing, but, but you can find some, you can find some Ken Burns style doc parodies of Star Wars online. Um, mm. I found one. Um, it's okay. I would like a, a little bit bigger swing at it, but um, I, I do love that. I'm such a fan of docs. I think a lot of people are. Docs are doing pretty good, special in streaming services, all kinds of docs. I'm partial to, uh, I love the pop culture ones, but sports or rock doc style uh, mm. is great. Um, and and I'm talking about in, in universe as best you can. Now, the problem is that does border on straight parody. It'd be very mm. hard uh, but I think you could find a way to do it. Uh, Andor has introduced morning news into Star Wars, which we always kind of knew existed, but we got to see it. There's reporters. Uh, I could see that there's some hollow docu filmmakers out there in the galaxy. Uh, I think it would be interesting. It would it would be a one off for me. It, it's not something that uh you know it would be canon. I think it would need to be canon. Uh, not what I'm suggesting for it to be outside of that, but um it would be it would be potentially jarring, right? You know what I mean? Like I don't know mm -hmm. how. I don't know how many people would love that. Maybe just me when I'm on the road doing comedy at 1 a.m. Oh, good. A doc's on. It's time to watch this. I don't know. That's where I'll start. Uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say to the doc thing, like, obviously, you know, you could do it, uh, you know, like a Lego style thing or with a different animation. That's like, it's not strictly canon and you could have fun with the kind of parody, right? Like, like mm -hmm. Lego does. Um, yes. Or I think you could do a doc where you finally get into on screen the idea that there are journalists in Star Wars. They're in the books and comics a ton. Yeah. Um, and I think it would almost be have to be like Andor where you really veer away from parody and you take it seriously. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, and, you know, a, a reporter is embedded with the group of extremely dangerous bounty hunters who are even more dangerous than the reporter realized. Right. And like mm -hmm. you take it seriously and, and make a documentary, create a different visual language. And this is how documentaries, hollow docs are filmed in star Wars. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's possible. Yeah, and and would and, and Disney Plus is perfect for this kind of stuff. A little lower mm-hmm. pressure uh, for the for the project. Uh, you could just put it up there, have it exist, and do what it needs to do. Yeah, yeah. So, what are some other styles for you? Go to two of my favorite kind of styles, and I will say this: I think over the years, twenty years on, they've been played with enough to where the style maybe isn't as popular, maybe isn't as fresh. Uh, but also, as uh, as was said in this comment by Graham. I am old as well. And even things that are brand new to me are actually old. Uh, I am a big fan of uh, The Office, but particularly the, the British UK office. I don't mean to sound snooty when I say that. I enjoy the American one. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't, wouldn't you love seeing that played real, like you're saying, and doesn't necessarily need to be comedy, but a little uh, docu, docu style as well. I, I understand that. Um, with the Bureau of Standards, like, oh, you know, uh, Cyril Carnes uh, day at the office type of uh, vibe there. Make it a one-off. Uh, uh, again, it's almost like I'm pitching a doc all over again, but just have it actually as a television show, a series. Maybe we do that. Six episodes of of him. I could, I could just only imagine him in the confession room. How the unintentional and intentional comedy gold that might come out of it, especially. <laughs> He's he is well being incredibly terrifying, also very funny, Cyril Karn. And and yeah, yes. that UK office is very funny, but also terrifying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. In a lot of ways. Uh yeah. So that be there. And then and similar vibe. Again, it is shot uh without uh knowledge of the camera. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Kirby Enthusiasm, which is crazy twenty two years on. Um mm. Uh, and, and, and again, talk about a style that, uh, you know, an, an, an imo, uh, you know, strictly outlined, but improv based show shot, uh, you know, um, in a non-traditional way, at least back in the day, uh, it's still going strong. Uh, whether or not people out there love Larry David or not or anything about it, I, I, I'm a grump, so I love grumpy stuff, which is why you do uh, a Kirby enthusiasm style with uh, something we already kind of pitched in this episode, Luthen at his shop. <laughs> <laughs> just him running a shop and running a rebellion imagine doing andor but doing it this way it's the story of of every beat you got going on in andor you just do it as a grumpy man struggling to fit into this world comedy with luthan uh clay would be great i think mon mothma coming in there uh i i, I could i could, it's an alternate universe of comedy for the serious subject but i, I could be down for it yeah, I could see some real Arrested Development vibes yes. with uh, with Luthen, right? Because like mm-hmm. um, Arrested Development, I, I really like the first two seasons. It, yeah. Later stuff gets a little wonky for me. Uh, and obviously some people involved with Arrested Development have had some issues. I'll leave it at that. Um, but I really liked, especially early on, how, you know, like the things that were kind of happening to them were, were serious, like going to prison. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I can really see... Uh, like dark comedy of Luthen, like trying to balance, like I need to deliver this antiquity to this Senator, but I also need to uh, deliver this bit of information to this rebel informant. And (laughs) camera zooms in on Luthen saying, I've made a terrible mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those are great picks. Um, a, A couple styles for me that I would be really interested in is just, Hardcore noir. Um, Star Wars has, you know, borrowed from so many genres, celebrated so many genres. And a lot of us talk about the Mm -hmm. uh, Attack of the Clones, uh, noir influence, particularly in Obi-Wan Kenobi's journey, everything from kind of the thematic stuff to going to to Dexter Jester, the the person on the ground in the know, which is very Raymond Chandler, very Philip Marlowe. Um, Yeah to the the rain slicked uh environment of camino all all these things some of the specific uh lighting choices i haven't got a chance to read it but i know um daniel jose older's uh five issue uh high republic series it, it features a couple of detective really uh jedi de- investigators and i've been told that, that has a great noir vibe i haven't had a chance to read that myself yet so it's there in star wars but i would love to go all in the way graham is is asking like stylistically yeah. of like this looks and feels like a Humphrey Bogart film. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, uh, shoot it black and white. Shoot it black and white. You know, I, I had a, a, a film studies professor who kind of was like, uh, you know, how to make a noir, right? Take the third light out. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So there's shadows. That's it. Uh, he's a, a little bit of a snarky professor, but I learned a lot. Um, but yeah, I would love that. 
there's plenty to investigate in any era of Star Wars, and I, I would yeah. love that. And you know, some of those those themes of like, uh, I always like it. I always want Star Wars to come back to hope, but I'm fine if it gets really dark <laughs> yeah. before yeah. you get back to the hope. And and that's the that's what's motivating a lot of noir stories is not just the the lighting. It's people who are having really real bad doubts about humanity being worthwhile. Yeah. I, I think the noir thing um, played straight and, 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 and played, uh, you know, direct in its style, whether you shouldn't black white or, or other, otherwise I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's almost a, after Andor, it's very realistic to me that something like that could happen now. Mm-hmm. Not that it yeah. wouldn't have been before, but before it was always kind of, well, hey, Star Wars influenced by Western. Maybe we'll get a Western, but really it still comes out as very Star Wars. You know, Amando is a great example of that. Um, but to actually just be like, we're doing this. And I, I, I'm more open to it than I would have been uh, before. And it just seems more possible. Yeah, it's not a reference. It's not a flavor. We're going all in. Yeah. yeah. Um. And along those lines, uh, another one that I'd be really interested in is horror. Uh, there continue to be, you know, discussions about a Star Wars horror movie and what would uh, that mm-hmm. look like. Um, uh, the MCU just did that werewolf by night special mm-hmm. um, that had a couple things. It had the made for TV movie vibe that uh, that Graham's talking about. It has a, a fun little this is a special presentation for people who grew up 70s, 80s, 90s and remember that kind of thing coming on. Uh, before a, a movie played on on television, um, and then it's very very in, influenced in aesthetic uh, from the Universal horror movies. Um, I've been watching some of the uh, Hammer horror films produced in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like like I've been saying, I, I got Dooku fever. I got Christopher Lee fever. I've been reading that auto, autobiography. Uh, that is a part of the the influence of of Count Dooku, uh, Christopher Lee being f- famous for playing Count Dracula. Uh, but I recently, like in the last months, I, I've watched uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee in their Frankenstein film, their Dracula film, in their The Mummy film. Mm. And it's just this, uh, for people who know Hammer, they're like, yes, yes, Joseph, we know. Uh, but uh, really getting to experience it. I love, it's really gothic horror. Some of it was like a little too graphic at the time, but it's nothing to us today. Yeah, and yeah. that feels like the right way to do horror. It's almost a little bit, it's more, in the colors, it's more lurid. Like there are definitely some like dark shadowy stuff, but there's a lot of just like bright red and, you know, glaring orange contrasted with really dark colors. So there's this visual language to it. Mm-hmm. And the horror is really like, there are some monster shots, there's some murder and all that. Um, but it's much more about like, uh, the people who are making these bad choices that are leading to monstrous things. Um, uh, so I would love that, uh, like a Hammer horror film, Star Wars horror film. Uh, it seems like uh, it's in the DNA for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely there. Uh, and final one for me, uh, I would love some sort of uh, buddy comedy road movie, like, you know, Midnight Run, Blues Brothers kind of vibe. Totally. Oh, yeah. Uh, the continuing adventures of Han and Chewie, but yeah, yes, <laughs> I'm totally new to. Yep, yep, that would be great. Any any final thoughts on this one, Ken? Uh, while we're talking, I was like, oh, there, here's a TV genre thing I would love to see, but then I realized we kind of already did have that uh, a game show, an in story game show. Then I was like, oh wait, I love Jedi Temple Challenge with Keller and Beck. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you could uh, I, I could see that play around with that again. Bring me back Jedi Temple Challenge with the. Uh, even more uh, uh, gusto to it and make it completely in story. Love yep. It. And make a kid's version and an adult's version. <laughs> you know, you ain't, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. <laughs> we had so much fun watching and discussing that uh, in the, in the bleak summer of 2020. It was a, a nice light. It was. Uh, all right, we're going to move on to our final question from Lightspeed Bear. <laughs> yes. uh, Lightspeed says, Hey, Four Center, hope you're uh, all doing well. You often talk about Star Wars being a buffet. People can either pick and choose what they want to consume, or in my case, eat so much the owners ask you to leave. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, my question is more of a personal one. I'm curious which parts of modern day Star Wars buffet you yourselves have enjoyed the most. As we approach 10 years since the Disney acquisition, I thought it might be a good time to reflect on all the great content we've gotten in that time. What have you enjoyed most from both a thoughtful standpoint and also from a, gee whiz, that was cool. For me personally, I have loved almost all of it, but I'd probably put Rebels top of my list. 
The camaraderie and chemistry of the Ghost Crew made me fall in love with that show. The sequel trilogy, Solo and Mando, are all a very close second. Love to hear what struck the biggest chord with you all. Thanks, and keep up the great work. Thank you, Lightspeed Bear. That is a very fun question. Ken, on our recent news show, we looked back a little bit on the the 10th anniversary of the sale and and some of the great uh, creative victories, in our opinion, since Mm -hmm. then. Oh, where do you go with this? How do you in the buffet? How do you how do you rank personally? Not for a YouTube video, <laughs> but in your soul. Uh, how do you decide what to eat first at the Star Wars buffet? Yeah, here. All right, so I'm going to take it and actually take it to uh, describing it in a buffet. Maybe you did this as well, sir. Uh, I have a lot of experience going to Sizzler to the salad bar, which <laughs> is a, it's not just salad, kids. It's a full meal experience. I used to do a podcast called Hot Sizzler Nights. I had to stop for two reasons. One, Sizzler started closing in L.A. There's only one left. It's like far away or one or two. They're far away from me. Two, my guests would get ill. So, <laughs> so <laughs> there's a correlation. During there, the podcast or the next morning? There is a great episode with Christian Ruvacaba <laughs> and Cody Hall of the Wangers. And I took them across the street. And we went to, we'd go, I, I would take everyone over there. I'd treat them to the salad bar. And I'd come back and I'd talk about their choices. It's just a general comedy food conversation. Halfway through the episode, Cody Hall was leaning up against my wall, holding his stomach. And we finished the episode, and then he was about to go. Now, I have I had facilities. He could have used my facilities. So he was like, I got to go. He lived like two hours away. He lives in like the Inland Empire. Talk about LA ge- geographical uh, uh, talk there. Um, and I said, okay, cool. Do you guys have time to do my five extra minutes Patreon show? <laughs> and he just went, oh, and he powered through and did it. And that was a lot. I was like, I can't kill my guests anymore. I can't. <laughs> but it's an experience. Um, so on that regard, this is what I did in trying to rank it and trying to explain it. Uh, the salad, which you still go to salad bar to get the salad. That's a starter unless you load up your salad, right? In, in traditional meal settings, the salad is part of the starters. So I uh, I put Kenobi, and I'll say currently, and or you could throw in Mando Book of Boba Fett. Live action TV, I guess for me, is something that is uh, right now, it is the, the big thing we've got. But it's like, this is great. I love this. I still want to go to the movies. I still want to sit in the theater. I still want it to rock my uh, senses uh, all around me while I sit there and experience it. So I love these. I eat them. And sometimes I just eat salad. And I'm just eating this salad right now. But I'm ready to go with the main course. Uh, and the main course is the movies. Talking about how it hit you and affected you. The, the movies going back to 2015. Um, and not to, I, I could easily just say all of them, but to get a little more specific, I, I was changed by The Last Jedi, both in how I watch Star Wars, how I talk about Star Wars, how I want to engage and talk about Star Wars, who I don't engage to talk about Star Wars with anymore. I was absolutely changed by that movie. And then I was thrilled by Solo. I still stand by that movie in so many ways. Uh, and it was unexpected, unexpected. And, 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 you know, there's, uh, we get to that solo conversation, but I still come out of that. I still go back to that meal. That is sometimes the meal, the comfort meal, right? When you're, you're like, what do I want to eat tonight? Solo. I want to have solo on my main course salad uh, bar trip here. And then I was challenged and inspired by Rise of Skywalker. It's still the most inspirational movie experience for me as a Star Wars fan in this modern era. That's not for everybody. That's for me. And then quickly here, so I don't dominate this. The dessert is specific novels. Uh, When you go back and get the ice cream cup at Sizzler, it's a great experience. You've had a wonderful meal and you're going to go back for more. Rebel Rising, Leia, Princess of Aldron, Light of the Jedi, Shadow of the Sith, Lords of the Sith back in the day by Paulus Kemp. Uh, One of those things where you're like, man, I love Star Wars. I just had a great meal and I also get to enjoy this. And then the final thing, the take-home leftovers. When you ask the uh, (laughs) person in front, can I get a box for this? It's Battlefront 2. Mm. Uh, uh, was that 17 story of Iden Versio and the story mode. I still play it. I still Twitch stream it uh, on the other side. It's still fun. I took it home. Star Wars fills me up in so many ways, but then when I want, I can open up the leftover box and take a bite out of battlefront two. Mm, that is absolutely amazing. Uh, I, 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 I'm getting so damn hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's almost lunchtime as we record. That's really great. Um, and, and I so agree with uh, a lot of your selections. The reason why um, the food sounds delicious. Um, I think uh, for me, I, I so struggle with uh, just listing um, entire m- movies or television shows. Like that's my absolute favorite. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think I can't remember if I told this story on the air. I was at an event with some old friends of my wife's and that I've now been old friends with for, you know, o- over a decade. And uh, there people knew that I did the Star Wars podcast and they just kind of casually asked, uh, what's your favorite <laughs> movie? And I was just like, I don't do favorites. <laughs> and, and, I, and I came on too strong. Like, oh, OK. <laughs> and, then I, and I had to explain, like, you know, sometimes when we're when you're in this uh, this uh, the discourse world, uh, saying something's your favorite people take as an insult to something else. And that's mm-hmm. just not the way I feel. Yeah. Um, so I, I approach this buffet question by grabbing the bits and pieces out of different movies and shows of things that like just uh, hit me the hardest, um, either emotionally or just, oh, I love that. It, it just is a, is a, the G whiz that, that uh, Lightspeed yeah. Bear is talking about. Um, I, I wasn't prepared, prepared for your uh, amazing actual buffet. So I, I'm going to, I'm trying to catch up. So no, no, it, so, it sounds like you're picking for my meals. I like this. Can I try this? Can I have this? <laughs> I like oh, Exactly. Great. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we started in a in a similar place. Like if I'm going to a buffet and it's available, the first thing I'm going to get is some mac and cheese. Yes. Uh, that's not a side to me, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's like a gourmet. There are, you know, like four cheeses in there and some of them are a little different and exotic. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that that's being uh, ladled into the center of the plate as a main dish. Um and and my gourmet mac and cheese of the last 10 years of Star Wars is uh, Luke's third act in The Last Jedi. His, um, I, I love everything that, that's necessary to build to it of seeing how he's broken, why he's broken, seeing uh, all of these uh, effective moments that like bring him a step closer and a step closer. And the, the realization that he, he says he wants to burn it down, but he can't, you know, in that Yoda scene, Yoda has to, you know, fulfill it for him that he, to burn down the tree, right? Uh, yeah. That hope was always there. And I love all that, that, but that final appearance on crate, the Luke of the look of Luke, uh, literally physically, uh, the, the certainty that he will not be, the last Jedi, the certainty that he is making a difference. He is standing up, um, but in a way that works for him. And then just seeing that look on his face when he's looking off into the twin sons for the next adventure, becoming one with the force. Uh, That's my Mac and cheese. (laughs) That's a, that's a a heavy dose, a heavy ladling. And that's a great choice. Yeah. Now, now I can't make myself sick with cheese, so I need a little something uh, to balance it out. So I'm going to get a, a, a cut of uh, of meat or any sort of like uh, if it's I trust the uh, veggie uh, substitute uh, uh, for the, the mm-hmm. fake meat to be good. Something to, to, to balance that. Um, I am going to get myself from the buffet a sampling of the the arc of Han's uh, uh, cheek touch. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, both yeah. the scene in The Force Awakens where he tries to mm-hmm. get through. Uh, to his son and it doesn't work then but it he pays it forward in the way that scene in rise of skywalker with uh ben's memory of his father and that he his father loved him no matter what and gave him the strength to make the better choice we've talked about it a lot so i don't need to go on that's a nice fine cut of meat uh and then you know some some vegetables that i try that i'm that i'm not sure about i'm a little picky on vegetables but mm-hmm. i end up being like these vegetables have amazing spice this is great i didn't expect it uh, the movie solo in general, but in particular, I'm going to go to Kira. Mm, yeah. Kira was a real triumph. I was not expecting. Let's meet the uh, the love of Han's life before he met the real love of his life in Leia. And uh, speaking noir, the, the, that she's kind of coded as a, as a femme fatale. But the movie gives us all of the reasons that she would have a different perspective and she makes mm-hmm. such interesting choices and she's so well played. I just, I love Kira. Oh, big victory for me. Yeah. Um, and I need a little, a little drink. So, uh, I think, uh, something that, that is maybe, maybe like a, a sparkling cocktail that's got some like life and energy to it, but it's still serious. Uh, I'm that's Ray's theme musically. Mm-hmm. That just, mm-hmm. that's one of the great creative triumphs of this era to me is just Ray's mm-hmm. theme. Yep. Uh, and then I'm I'm gonna go for dessert, <laughs> my very balanced meal. Uh, I'm gonna get two two desserts. Uh, one is a uh, vanilla ice cream, and that is the way I'm describing Chapter Nine of The Mandalorian, the first episode of Season Two, The Marshal. Uh, oh, yeah. The Marshal might be one of my biggest G whiz moments. I was so happy that The Mandalorian was back. I loved getting to spend a lot more time with the Tuskins. 
I love just dealing with the great dragon, big on screen. I kind of couldn't believe they, they did Cobb Vanth. I love that performance. And then it ended all of it with, yep, Boba Fett is back. And I, I, w- I had such a hard time sleeping. I almost just like woke my wife to just be like, yeah, but, uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> Boba Fett. That- Boba it was a it was a great moment, it, and yeah. and Boba Fett was just mystery. Like, what's he doing? Why has he got all that Tuscan uh, accoutrement? What's going on? Um, the other dessert is uh, something uh, very new. By the time we release this episode, it will be out. Um, but the Sith Lord chapter in Tales of the Jedi—that's a big mm-hmm. piece of cherry pie that I I could watch again and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's a uh, that's a good one. That's yeah. an absolute good one. Yep. And then, uh, hey, I, I love your idea of uh, it, putting a little bit more on your plate to take home. And uh, I'll take home the uh, Obi-Wan versus Vader final battle in the Kenobi show. That was also m- both meaningful and gee whiz. Absolutely. Ah, love that. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. This could, this could, yeah. Uh, this, uh, 10 years on, it's crazy we're 10 years on this sale. <laughs> much stuff to look back on. I love this. is a great quiet. It's it's so yeah it, it there there's so much and you know I love you including uh was Battlefront two your your take home dish that's my take home that's my take home yeah that gave me a lot of hours of of fun and joy as well all right great question Lightspeed Bear any other thoughts on Star Wars or food Ken uh definitely uh more coming but I'll stop myself because I'm hungry as well. Excellent. Uh, We do indeed have some new submissions for Power of the Light Side. This is something we we offer to our patrons on Patreon uh, to post something just positive and joyful about Star Wars that they want to celebrate. We all know that sometimes the algorithm can reward the dark side of not just healthy criticism, but framing your healthy criticism as anger. Uh, And we like to do what we can to celebrate the light side. And this is one of the ways we can do it with a segment called power of the light side literally uh this comes to us from stephen campbell stephen says hello force center for my power of the light side i would like to highlight you two ken and joseph specifically with helping me be proud of being a star wars fan now i'm gonna stop here for a second ken just when i heard this read this first sentence i was like "Ooh, <laughs> i don't know if i uh have uh i feel bad about you know sharing this of like here's the light side us you know <laughs> yeah, yeah uh it felt a uh a, 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 I, I had to struggle with it, but then uh, reading the rest of Stephen's great post, it's really, really powerful. Uh, so do you have any thoughts on, on, on that? <laughs> I, I, one of my goals in life in this, in this era is just to, uh, of my own life is to uh, accept nice words when they're said about me. Cause I, I've spent a lifetime <laughs> pushing them away. Yeah, I, I understand. All right. So here is the rest of what Stephen has to say. For context, I was born in 1992 and first experienced Star Wars through the special editions at the ripe age of four. I instantly fell in love. After that, I was a Star Wars character for every Halloween, always asked for Star Wars stuff for Christmas and birthdays and watched the VHSs on repeat. Uh, While a sixth grader in 2005, when Revenge of the Sith was releasing, I did a book report on the film's junior novelization written by Patricia C. Reed. I created an entire diorama of the duel on Mustafar using my newly acquired three uh, and three quarter inch Anakin and Obi-Wan figures. I was so proud of what I had created. After completing my presentation, my teacher said, live long and prosper and told me to sit down. Oh, (laughs) The other students in the class laughed, and I then decided to bury my love of Star Wars in order to avoid future embarrassment. When the Disney acquisition of Lucasfilm happened, I was excited but still reserved, not wanting to be mocked. Knowing I had an admiration for Star Wars, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, even bought me a Star Wars Jedi Training Academy shirt that I was afraid to wear unless it was covered with a sweatshirt. I saw and really enjoyed all the Disney-era films, but still had some reservation about being open about being a Star Wars fan, especially with the fandom's discourse. Fast forward to 2020, when I learned about Force Center and followed both of your affection for the franchise, I especially took note uh, notice of Ken's consistent wearing of an Imperial, now Rebel, insignia hat, and Joseph's continuing tales of purchasing new action figures. As I'm ready to turn 30 next month and have my own child, I reflect on that terrible sixth grade teacher for mocking me for something I loved. As you both accomplished so well, we should celebrate what brings each other joy and share in that happiness. You have both opened my eyes to embracing one's fandom and being uniquely myself. 
I now have a baseball cap with the Jedi Order insignia that I regularly wear, thanks to Ken, and I have new uh, three and three quarter figures going up on display, thanks to Joseph. I'm also happy to say that I proudly wear the shirt my wife bought me all those years ago. Thank you for all your positivity and helping me once again see the light side. That is uh, amazing. Uh, just a, a huge uh, thank you, Stephen, for for the kind thoughts and for for sharing this. Uh, I, I got to get my uh, my thoughts and my emotions together, Ken. So, what's your reaction? <laughs> uh, look, I I really uh, love hearing it, and, and and it's something that I think anyone listening has probably experienced at one point uh, or or the other. And, and look, we're in a better era for loving this nerd kind of stuff. Um, it's not all perfect at all. And there's a lot of problems out there. So it's always going to be a challenge. And, uh, it, it's even like 92, like that seems, uh, young to me, Stephen, you're a young, young man with a, 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 a wild future in front of you. But, uh, man, e- even then it was, it was a different time. And, and I'm sure this story was repeated over and over and over again around many, uh, schools or, uh, you know, organizations or, playgrounds, whatever you want to say. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I feel you and I'm glad you pushed through it. I'm glad we had a small part in that as well. Both of our ongoing adventures, Jennifer as well. And, and it's also a reminder too, you know, Joseph, uh, we made earlier a reference earlier. We've been doing this now. It's like our eighth broadcast season, come up on our ninth broadcast season, but been doing this since 2015. seems like yesterday, but it's a long time. I love hearing that Steven joined us in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, during a different time and and that uh, more people can hop on uh, board this force center train here not just for um us as a business or a podcast but for the community and the community uh around us is very strong we always say it's because of you you all listening um this is a shared experience and i'm glad you're wearing that shirt glad you're wearing that hat glad you're buying those figures like us <laughs> don't run into the toy aisle first thing before you even get the food you need so great stuff Stephen. Yeah, absolutely uh, powerful. Um, I I have such uh, empathy and compassion for that experience. Right? That's a, that's an mm-hmm. awful mm-hmm. thing for a teacher to say. You know, it 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 is it, it it powers some of my strong opinions that there is great depth to Star Wars, but Star Wars is also fun and it fires people's imaginations. And there's nothing wrong with that. And for you know, an adult to kind of, you know, look down their nose at your silly space thing mm-hmm. is um, is just uh, that that's that teacher's problem. Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. wrestle with their own dark side. And I am thrilled uh, that that, Stephen, you uh, you found your way back to hope. Uh, I really relate to to hearing that you have a supportive partner who uh, supports your love. I'm thrilled to hear that. I'm thrilled to hear about the shirt, about the hat, about the figures. This is all great. And like Ken said, we're very happy uh, to be any part of you being able to express your love and joy of this uh, saga that we all love. Indeed. Indeed. All right, Ken, uh, you want to let people know where they can find us? I do indeed. We are the Force Center podcast feed. We can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod or Instagram and YouTube as well. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast is available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, more. Just search. You'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center and patreon.com slash Force Center. It's where you can support us. From there, you can get into our Discord server where you can celebrate Star Wars with Force Center friends. You can support uh, you can support me if you want. <laughs> Follow me at Ken Napsock, uh, or go to my website, KenNapsock.com. Comedy dates forthcoming. Also, I'll be in my hometown, Central Coast of California, on uh, November 4th and 5th, part of the Central Coast Film Society Entertainment Expo. I'll be up there speaking about uh, building your fandoms and online followings and shows and communities. Uh, so a uh, very uh, timely uh, power of light side entry, Stephen. So I'll be up there. All information on my website. Joseph, you. Yeah, I, I thought for just a second there you were going to stop at. You can support me if you want, which is a valid thing <laughs> yes. to just say. Yes. You don't need to list websites. Just you can support me if you want. We can all support each other. Uh, uh, check out all those great things uh, that Ken is doing for myself. You can find me mm-hmm. on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as at Joseph Scrimshaw, all those social media places. I am doing a renewed vigor support of my Patreon and uh, creating more short films and comedy bits uh, and uh, my obsessed podcast uh, all on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to support me, you can check out patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can go to my YouTube channel, just Google Joseph Scrimshaw. If all goes as planned, 
I'm going to make take a risk by saying this on this broadcast that we're pre-recording. By the time this episode comes out, I will have released a short film that I made on my phone uh, on YouTube uh, that is featuring myself, featuring Ken, and featuring our buddy Mark Ellis. That, uh, that short film is called Peace Fight, so check that out on YouTube. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken... For all the Star Wars shirts we all want to wear, this has been Cues of the Force. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.